Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Spaghetti Fiction. I am your host, Alyssa. And I'm your co-host, Nate. It wasn't supposed... This was not supposed to be our final episode of the season. Uh, Our final episode of the season was actually Jack Frost. And I decided we should talk about this movie just because it came out last month. And it's still... It's still kind of on the front page of Hulu right now, sometimes when you log in. So I think it's fresh mm-hmm. on everyone's mind. So now it feels like the appropriate time to talk about it while it's still new. Yeah. And this is the first episode we, we've we done where we actually talk about something topical. Yes. So that's, that's new for us. Uh, uh, definitely something that I want to hopefully be able to do more in the future. Because usually we're just digging around in the 80s and yeah. 90s, 2000s. Stuff we remember was bad when we were kids. But uh, no, this is brand new. So I'm excited. Um, I'm excited to talk about it. So we're talking about Run, the film that premiered on Hulu. Person that directed it, or yeah, uh, directed and written by Anish Shaganti, I think is how you pronounce pronounce it, and also written by Seb Ohanian, who actually they both wrote in. They created that movie that came out a couple years ago, Searching. I don't know if you've heard of that one. No. It's it's a similar movie or concept, like unfriended, like everything's done through like computers and stuff, but it's actually not horrendous. It's just about this guy trying to find out what happened to his daughter because she went missing. Um, it's actually, that one's actually really good. Uh, I do like, you know, recommend watching that movie instead of unfriended. Uh, but that's not what we're here to talk about. <laughs> We are talking about 2020's run, streaming on Hulu now. Um, It stars Sarah Paulson in Kira Allen. Everybody knows who Sarah Paulson is, right? No. (laughs) (laughs) Do you not, actually? I I actually don't. Uh, Well, she's this really big uh, actress. She's in, uh, I think, pretty much every season of American Horror Story. That's how I was introduced to her. Uh, I really like her. Oh, yeah. And I think she did a great job in this movie. A lot of the uh, episodes or seasons of American Horror Story, they have her playing some kind of character that's kind of like similar to this. Uh, They're also, I guess it's one of the reasons why people were really interested in this movie, because everybody else in the cast, you don't know. Like, I I didn't know who uh, Kira was. I think the credit said it was introducing her. This might have been her first major role. It, yeah, looking into it, this is her first like film debut, so I think that's pretty cool. Uh, so just to kind of give a quick plot summary, thanks to IMDb, just for those who uh, haven't seen this movie yet. Chloe, a teenager who is confined to a wheelchair, is homeschooled by her mother. However, her mother's strange behavior doesn't go unnoticed, and when Chloe pries into some private papers, Chloe becomes suspicious of all that her mother does, suspecting her of something sinister. She decides to go on the run in her wheelchair in a desperate attempt to get away from her mother. What is your uh, initial thoughts after you watch this movie? Well, um, I can definitely say it was a very competently made movie. Uh, the cinematography mm-hmm. was great. The camera work was great. The music was all very suspenseful. Um, the acting was all on point. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as a movie, I think it was very good. I understand that there is some controversy surrounding some of the themes present within the movie. Um, but I think we can get into that later. But as a movie, I would I would actually recommend it. It's like it's good. Mm-hmm. It had me on the edge of my seat. I can't think of anything uh, outwardly as a film, as a piece of art that I thought was blatantly wrong with it. Like the, that the filmmakers, you know, did super 
wrong. What about you? I felt like it was a very well-made movie. I really agree. I think the camera work was excellent. The color grading was very beautiful, and I really did enjoy both Kira Allen and Sarah Paulson's acting. I think they their chemistry was very well. Uh, they had very good chemistry together. The acting was phenomenal. And I really just, I on a technical aspect, it's it's really great. I have mixed feelings about the story itself. Like on one hand, I do think it's a good story. I think that, you know, like you said, it is a very competent movie and it's easy to follow. But on the other hand, I don't know how I feel about the ending. Don't know how I feel about the portrayal of Chloe's character. I think this one, this movie did a good job, a better job at portraying disabilities in the media compared to some other films in the past. A lot of times there's either, they have people playing, or able-bodied people playing disabled actors, which that in itself is like, ugh. And then there's certain kinds of, movies and TV shows that put uh, disabled characters and people in this kind of box and treating them like they're a charity case or... Something, someone to be looked down upon and pitied. How do how do you feel about, um, you know, the overall portrayal of, um, you know, like wheelchair use in this movie? In this movie? Yeah. I feel that they did handle it with care. They did a lot better treating this in the realm of realities. I listened to a podcast called The Business uh, last week, and they actually had the writer of the movie come on and do a little interview with them. He talked about how he talked with a disabilities professor, that he said is like our disability academics professor, just to make sure that everything that he was writing was through to what a disabled person goes through how they go throughout their days, even having on Kira Allen and discussing how she went in and she had them redo the setup of the bedroom because it was set up from an able-bodied person's perspective instead of a disabled-bodied person's perspective. Mm -hmm. Just kind of being able to see like how Chloe was able to, to get in certain things, coming up with like a different way to to get that pill bottle out of the medicine cabinet or you know having to escape from her room which I mean part of me is like that's kind of insane but as somebody who is disabled who uses a wheelchair like I I feel confident in this portrayal because it's done with care and you can clearly see that throughout the movie like they really did put a lot of thought into Chloe's character and how she would respond to certain things and how she would do certain things. So I think in that perspective, they did a great job. I noticed um, particularly like when she's out in the middle of town, you know, crossing the street, mm-hmm. uh, going through the pharmacy, like she gets around fast. You know, they don't portray her as like someone who's who can't get around because of her mm-hmm. chair. Uh, I mean, all the times that she struggles to get around the house is because of the obstacles her mother has put in place. Mother in quotation marks there. Yeah, spoilers. uh, Yeah, but obviously that's what we're going to get into with this movie. Yes. uh, 
Watch it first if you want to not have it spoiled for you, which you should, because it is a good movie, and um, it definitely has some good twists, which we are probably going to spoil for you if you keep listening and haven't seen it yet. So keep that in mind going forward, please. <laughs> yes, I agree. Uh, I do want to kind of point out as a blanket statement uh, regarding dis- disability uh, in general for those of you who aren't aware or are not around disabled people very often in your lives. There is no one type of disability. It can be mentally, physically, it can be, you can be wheelchair bound or it can be an invisible disability. There's so many different types and there's so many different effects that it has on each individual person. It's not a, uh, just disabled may be a generalized term, but it's not a one fits all. Just know that going into this or any any sort of discussion surrounding disabilities, there's just so many categories, subcategories, and to kind of put one person in a box is just kind of not cool. So shall we dive into it? Yes, let's let's talk about this movie. So I want to talk about the opening, which is in fact, I guess for some people would be really shocking. I couldn't find the text for later on, but we open up in a hospital and we get a shot, a dimly lit kind of shot of a bunch of doctors surrounding a hospital bed trying to resuscitate a baby. Is a really a bold choice to me to kind of open up with that. How did you feel about this this opening? I mean, I went into this movie having absolutely no idea what it was going to be about. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you told me about there's this movie called Run. I see that it was on Hulu. I thought, okay, I'm going to watch that. You know, the day that we're going to record, I watched it earlier today having no idea what it was even going to be about. And, um, you know, that that was kind of um, like, oh, whoa, what's going on here? But it, it definitely kind of sets the tone for the movie. It's, it's dark. It's unexpected. You know, I don't think I see mm-hmm. the concept of premature babies uh, being explored very much in movies. Usually when you see childbirth in movies, it's considered a miraculous thing. And, the, you know, it's, we're meant to feel, it's meant to make the audience feel good. So here you see something that's a, kind of a stark contrast to that. And it, it kind of... I've seen plenty plenty of shows and stuff that kind of introduce the idea of a stillborn, miscarriage, things like that. I've never seen it just kind of thrown in your face, like right at the beginning of a movie or TV show. Uh, and just seeing that close-up of that baby in the uh, INCU, or Niku, actually, Niku, it's very difficult. I was really genuinely surprised. Um, I wasn't necessarily shocked by the idea of seeing a sick, uh, premature baby because uh, I do have photos of myself in the hospital after I was born, and I looked very similar to that. But I do think it was a very strong choice, not a bad one. I think it's just a really bold choice to see. And then going into that movie, especially if you don't know anything about it, seeing that you're like, oh, no, what? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's that's exactly what I felt. It just really did set that tone of like, I guess, struggling with the idea of having a sick or, or dying child or, you know, having to deal with it or not really deal with. I feel like that's kind of a negative connotation, but having to experience that. Yeah, experience the having to take care of like your, being a, or like being a mother and seeing your child all you know in that state, weak and helpless and would later reveal dead because that that baby did not live as we later find out unfortunately yes that is very true it's a good hook it's a hook it definitely got me like interested wanting to see what happens you know um and so 17 years later 
Diane homeschools and serves as a sole caretaker for her wheelchair user daughter, Chloe. It's chronically ill with, and I'm probably going to say this wrong, but erythemia, hemochromatosis, diabetes, and paralysis. That was, they uh, actually put like a text of all of those at the beginning. Um, and I couldn't read them because it was so small, but. I think she also had asthma. Yeah, and asthma, five, yes. I remember. Yeah, she got a lot of, lot of issues. I thought that was a, a an interesting little uh, choice where the last definition with paralysis, like you know, it, it, part of the sentence is like inability to run, and then I see that as the last. We're like, oh, oh, there's the key word there, and then all the other words fade out, and then that word is left there. Like, oh, oh, very, very smart, very clever. Nice uh, editing. It's like, hey, that's the name of the movie. Hmm, I wonder what this is gonna be about. <laughs> Chloe is skilled in a lot of engineering. We see. We see women in STEM. We love to see that, um, you know, and she's getting ready to move on, move off to college. You know, she's in her senior year. Diane is in a parenting group. I'm guessing, I, don't, I can't, I couldn't really tell if it was a grieving group for other parents with disabilities, with kids that had disabilities or not. Because there was a point where one woman, tur woman turned around to look at Diane after she said she was excited for uh, Chloe to go off to college and goes, well, aren't you worried about her because of her, you know, so that I kind of couldn't really tell what that was all about. Yeah, I'm not sure if it was just um, it might have just been for parents who homeschool and maybe maybe they were all crying and passing around tissues because they were all about to go off to college or something. I don't know that. Yeah, that could have been true, because honestly, it did not register me at to me at all throughout this movie that Chloe was homeschooled. I don't know why I didn't realize that because at some points I was like, why don't you just wait till you go to school to like call someone? Oh wait, never mind. It's like you do get all these little cues throughout that um, she's that, the, that her mother kind of keeps her locked away. You know, there's a point where she's like trying to work on her um, computer and um, she's like, oh, if I had an iPhone, I could look this up. So we, we were revealed, oh, oh, she doesn't have her own cell phone. She yeah, she doesn't have a phone. She doesn't have any friends. Sucks because it's like, damn, this girl literally no fucking life outside of the one that her mother created for her. And that's just like really fucked up, you know? Chloe's like really excited because she's been waiting for this acceptance letter from the University of Washington. And, uh, you know, Diane insists that she doesn't mind Chloe leaving home to begin college life in the classroom scene. I think this scene was handled really well. Uh, and I really was uh, impressed by Sarah Paulson's monologue about her daughter being capable and kind Sorry. of brushing off the facts, turning the tables on like that whole trope that you see with a lot of disabled people in media where it's like, oh, you're disabled. Oh, that means you can't do anything. Uh, you need help. You need all these, this assistance. They don't see you as capable. They don't see you as like your own person. So kind of turning the tables on that and, and, and reconstructing that narrative to be like, yeah, my daughter is capable. She's smart. You know, I think she's going to be able to go places. I thought that in itself was like a really nice thing to say because you don't hear that a lot. On the flip yeah. side, you'll hear people getting really excited about disabled people achieving the most mundane tasks. <laughs> I like from personal experience, I've had people come up to me and come up to me and congratulate me for being so strong for going to college or having a job. And they're like, wow, I'm so proud of you. And I'm just like, I mean, I'm a person. It's so weird, but I'm glad they handled this in a way with uh, Sarah Paulson's character 
where it's like when if somebody else says something to her about like her kid, she's like, uh-uh, that's not that's not how it is. But also it's it's really funny because like she's like so afraid of letting her own child go, she'll fucking lock her in her room to keep her from leaving her house. I know, so that, that, that sense that you get from her is eroded quite quickly as the movie progresses. You start out thinking, oh yeah, what a good mom of her, her child. Like, oh wait, never mind. Want to say this movie is really fast paced, um, which is super rare for me. Uh, I, I get, I have a short attention span, unfortunately, but being able to like move the storyline so quickly is like, is, is, is great. And considering, you know, that it only took place like within the house and then like in the movie theater, it had a very small setting. Um, and mm-hmm. it, it, I, I never felt bored for a second. It was, it was, it always kept you on your toes at the edge of your seat. Like I was always invested. I think the way the the pacing of the editing mixed in with the the, the scoring that they used really kind of helped set that tone of like what is going to happen next. You know, I was like on the edge of my seat, being like, "Girl, you need to get out of this house." And it was, <laughs> it was. Uh, I was actually really engaged cheering Chloe on the entire time. And so like 12 minutes in, we already see uh, Chloe discovering this uh, pill bottle of green and gray capsules or, you know, half gray and half gray. The labeling on the side, you can clearly see she peeled it off and it was a scratched out other label. And she's confused. She's like, what kind of pill is this? And that's when we start to be like, hmm, what do you, what is Diane hiding here? You know, then she does that, that, that investigating and finds out that this is not medication that's for my benefit. This is like dog medication that's supposed to like relax the leg muscles. And you get the mm-hmm. sense that, wait a minute, maybe Diane is actually you know, performing Munchausen by proxy and has actually been deliberately keeping her from being able to, you know, kind of, I don't want, I don't want to use the word sick because that's not correct, but, um, you know, deliberately limiting her mobility. And what's interesting about the concept of uh, the Munchausen by proxy is that like, as soon as this movie was over for me, the, this, the next thing that Hulu recommended was The Act, Mm-hmm. Um, which is that series about um, the Gypsy Rose case, which is you know like very famous example of that exact thing. <laughs> the name of the pill is trigoxin, uh, and she finally she discovers that it's not. It's supposed to be a red pill, um, but the pill that's the pills that are in there are not that color, right? The way that she finds out is is really interesting. <laughs> like a bit nonsense, not really nonsensical, but like. I feel like it would have taken a lot longer for her to find a person she randomly dialed <laughs> to to help her out, right? Since she didn't have a phone, she they already cut off the access to the internet because I think she was trying to to look it up on the computer late at night. And that shot I want to talk about because that shot was fucking scary. Oh yeah, like I saw Diane in the back there, sitting there in the dark, absolutely still. Yeah, in the foreground, we see the side profile of Chloe trying to like uh, Google the what that medication is uh, on the computer. And then we kind of like focus out on her and we see like a light turn on and it's a very like it's a spotlight kind of thing, kind of in the back, I I would think. So we kind of we see her like figure, but we don't see her face. And that's what's so fucking scary. And it's like. Damn, she's like watching her. <laughs> I think that setup of that shot in particular was like perfectly done and really kind of encapsulated Diane and like her fucking shadiness, like the things that she's doing behind the scenes. Just how she's willing to be very patient and meticulous and uh, you know methodical in in her willingness to keep 
Chloe in her place. She keeps trying to to figure out where this what this medication is. Uh, gets to a point where she has to make a phone call while her mother is out watering their garden. She doesn't know the name. She doesn't know the phone number to the pharmacy. I'm guessing. She ends up dialing some. She, she did. She, she calls the phone number for the pharmacy at first, but then the pharmacy's like, "Oh, is this Diane?" Oh, that's right. And okay. She's like, "Okay, that I can't. That's going to be traced back to me." So then she tries to call a random pharmacy, but then they say, "Well, that's going to you know show up as a ninety-nine cent charge on your phone bill." So yeah, so that would, but it would have been a charge, so it could have been traced. So then she calls just a random local number, so it wouldn't be an additional charge on the phone bill. Yeah, she calls some random number, who miraculously ends up googling what the pill looks like, and that's how she finds out that it's actually a red pill. And we kind of get some sort of tension comedy relief. With him, like, yelling at his wife, like, so-and-so is just a friend. I'm not talking to blah, blah, blah. <laughs> like, I kind of laughed at that. I was like, what the fuck? But also, it's kind of a, it's, it's kind of a comic relief, but also it kind of, like, raises that level of, like, anxiety because he's taking way too long to fucking answer her. And she's, like, looking back at her, seeing if her mom's still in the garden. And, you know, and it's like, bitch, like, hurry the fuck up, dude. <laughs> And so now Chloe's like really fucking freaked out. She's like drops the phone and, you know, I think on the verge of a fucking asthma attack or some shit because she's just like, what? And then they, uh, Chloe gets her mom to take her out to the movies and uh, she makes an excuse to use the restroom, but actually goes to her local pharmacy across the street. Finally gets the woman to <laughs> tell her what the pill is using yeah. oh yeah we're doing a scavenger hunt like of course that would fucking work sure some of it's nonsensical but it gets it gets there you know they we find out what we need right like you said it's a muscle relaxant for dogs and it can cause paralysis in humans like that's the exact moment where all of her suspicions are confirmed and like I th i'd say it's kind of where one act ends and the next act begins where the tone very much becomes, okay, now you know something is wrong. You get a sense, you get the vibe of it for the, you know, the whole movie. But it's kind of at that scene in the at the pharmacy where she's kind of having a panic attack there. That's where it's like, it, it all changes. Like, oh, no. Yeah, like she's definitely uh, becomes more nervous about her mom. Um, at first it was like just a... A suspicion but now she's like my mother is dangerous she's doing she's harming me she's doing harm to me and there's no i feel like i can't escape and that's a real fear like i i would be terrified you know being so sheltered and having someone that's supposed to be my caretaker manipulating the people around her to believe that this girl can't do anything for herself, that she's going insane because of some new medication her doctors put her on. And the the idea that that could actually work, that that could actually make people not listen to Chloe is is scary. And that that sort of thing has actually happened before. Mm -hmm. It's like it's not just a made up plot for our entertainment. This sort of thing really does occur. And that's why they have a, a, a term for it. It's Munchausen by proxy. That's a very scary thing. It's a great thing to make a suspense movie about. I'll give them credit for that. Like a great idea. And so then we get to the point where they inject her. She gets injected with a sedative by her mom and she wakes up in her room discovering that she was locked. She's locked in her bedroom. She has no way of contacting anyone. So she has to, you know, come up with a plan to like escape uh, her room and to unlock her door. 
And so she does this whole like scene where we see her dragging herself out of her window on the roof to the next using what I'm guessing some sort of tool. I don't know what the tool was. It looked like a soldering. Yeah. Iron. iron for like that she was using earlier on like that circuit board. I thought that was really clever. Like I I forgot that she had like a a gulp of water just kind of in her mouth the whole time she was struggling out there. Like I thought she was just puffing up in her face. looking really exhausted and then she does that with the heat and rapid introduction of cold water and it's like oh oh very clever very clever to shatter the glass because that's something that everyone who lives up north especially in like washington has to know about like no you when you're thawing uh, the ice on your windshield you can't like just throw boiling water on it because that'll shatter the glass the rapid change of temperature that was a neat little little, little neat thing there. Yeah, I didn't know what that tool was, so I was genuinely confused. I'm not a, you know, an engineer. I get I just don't know basic science apparently, but I thought that was really cool and just kind of watching her. That entire scene was really climactic to me, especially once she got in and she realized that she didn't have her inhaler with her. It was in her it was back in her room and watching her struggle to hurry up and get to her room and get her inhaler. I was like anxious, like, oh, man, I hope that she's able to make it. No, I, I, I knew she would because it was like what, like 50 minutes left in the movie. But still, I mean, <laughs> it really so she's like die now and the rest of the movie is just her on the floor. <laughs> yeah, but it's still like that insane. Like they, they did a really good job with the pacing and the, the, the music where it really did kind of captivate me. And I was like waiting, just anxiously waiting. And um, see, I, I used to suffer from asthma pretty bad. So that resonated with me in particular. I didn't I don't have anything else that she's afflicted with, but I did have asthma i did have to use an inhaler when i was a kid and i do know mm-hmm. what it can be like to um to start to be struggling to breathe like that i don't know how they did the the sound effect for the the heavy breathing there but that was very i don't know if it was actually her controlling her breathing in some way or if it was just some sound engineering but they, it was like whoa that is that is some spot on <gasps> kind of mm-hmm. you know like that was that was great i i think that Kira is, is is a great actress. Just seeing this debut, like I think she has a lot of potential, and I'm excited to see. Oh yeah, the, you know future roles that she's in. Yeah, she's got great things coming for her. I think she does. Because what a movie to debut in too. It's like it's a it's an exciting. It's not you know it's not some boring timepiece set in the 1800s or whatever. It's like no, it's a modern contemporary thriller that like honestly I would recommend anyone to watch. Like yeah, I would tell my mom like hey if you're bored and you want to watch a movie, there's this great one on Hulu called Run. Yeah, and it's fun because it's you see a leading actress with a disability and it's not it is it's centered around her disability but not in a way where it's like oh look at her she's so helpless it's showing her being ingenuitive her being determined courageous i think that's such a good thing to show to to younger people who are disabled you know like look at look at look at this character she's doing what she's got to do to survive look up to her and i think that's it's a nice kind of subversion to like you know the 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 tropes that we usually see she ends up managing to get out of her house she throws her chair down the stairs because her mom had ripped the little thing out where her uh it's like a it's sort of the love child of an elevator and an escalator but it's like a it's like a, a lift kind of thing like they have a, a mechanical lift that can take you up and down the stairs fucking diane pulled the the thing out the wires were exposed chloe had to throw her chair down the flight of stairs and then throw herself 
down the stairs. And that shit scared me. I was like, oh, fuck. I hope she didn't like... Because the way that you see her jumping over, it's like, damn, she's going to fucking kill herself. That was a stunt right there. That And she did all her own stunts from what I... If I'm remembering correctly in her interview, she was training hard for that. It's like, I would, I would not do that for my... If I made a video for any reason, I would not throw myself down the stairs like that. I would just build a mannequin and throw that down the stairs. <laughs> well, you got to be realistic in this movie. But she, I, I think uh, that kind of shows her determination, uh, you know, just being willing to do all that. Like, it's, it's, for lack of a better word, it's crazy. But, I mean, in a good way, you know? We, we see a close-up of her foot. Her toe starts to wiggle. And that's kind of that first sign. So is she really paralyzed? You know, and she she looks down, she sees it, and you can see like a little smile kind of coming up on her face. Kind of like that realization like, wow, maybe, maybe I'm not fucking paralyzed, you know? She ends up getting out and is rolling herself down the road trying to like, I'm guessing they live on their own property that's like farther away uh, from the rest of the city, which is another you know, obstacle put in Chloe's way. This woman really went out of her way to be like, I don't want anybody near us at all. I don't want anyone to find out what I'm doing to my child. It's like, I'm going to grow all of my own vegetables and as self-sustaining out here as possible and make as few trips to Kroger. Nice, nice product placement there as possible. And uh, so she runs into the mailman and we don't really see the conversation of her talking, explaining about what her, her mom was doing. We just know that by the time that, uh, we see Chloe's mom driving up, freaking out, and is like, oh my god, I think she saw me. And he's like, let me take care of it. Uh, I think not having that uh, conversation in there was a good idea because it shows that, you know, not only are they working on that pacing, but they're showing we believe that our audience is not stupid. So yeah, the audience has been here the whole time. We know. We don't need you to, you know, do the exposition for it again. Because you see that in a lot of terrible movies where they rehash that exposition over and over again throughout the movie. And it's like, okay, we get it. Show, don't tell. And this is a good example of showing not telling um and so chloe's mom diane is freaking out trying to get to her and the mailman's like she said that you hurt they end up putting the mailman i don't know what the mailman's name was but they end up putting him tom. her yeah so tom ends up helping uh chloe into the to the mail van to take her to the police and then diane shoots him and injects her no she, she just she just injects him in the neck with something she, we see we see the gun we see that she has a gun and i was thinking she was going to shoot him and then she just comes up with a syringe with some sort of mystery chemical in his neck and what's weird is that a couple scenes later like we see her i think dragging his body through the hallway of the house and like there seems to be some sort of a trail of blood so we never well i think that's it's inferred that while chloe was knocked out she probably killed him uh, because, you know, witness it. It doesn't matter if she left them. Well, if she left them alive, it'd be more of a chance of him going and telling someone what happened. So you don't want any witnesses left. So I think they were inferring that she probably ended up shooting him while he was passed out and was like dragging him to another part of the basement. Because we never really get to see what happens, what becomes of him at by the end of the movie. I think it's just sort of, you know, we see his feet being dragged off and that's the last we see of him. And I guess he's going to get buried under one of her veggie gardens. I'm guessing that he was presumed, he, he died, is what is my best guess because, you know, we see the blood, we see him being dragged, apparently lifeless. And that's just the only, that's the, the one thing I can really think is what happened. She, so Chloe wakes up in the basement in her wheelchair to the... To a pole and uh so she can't move but she manages to out of her chair and drag herself over to a block i think it's yes like it looked like a bunch of acceptance letters and as soon as 
it was seen shown earlier in the movie where Diane was like, oh, as soon as you get a letter from a college, you'll see it. I instantly knew, oh, she's got, like, some point in this movie, we're going to find a whole stash of college letters that have been hidden away. Because growing up, my mom was the kind of person who always handed me my mail pre-opened. So it's like I kind of saw a glimmer of that in, in Diane here. It's like, oh, you you already opened all that and you you don't want her to get a, an acceptance letter. Back, backing up to um the wheelchair's chain to the wall. It's funny that she changed up the chair and not puts the chain on her leg. You know, it's like way to underestimate your daughter, Diane. You figure she doesn't know how to get around the room without the chair. Well, it's stupid because it's like she literally managed to get out of her room, Diane. How do you think she did that? You know, like I honestly... I wonder from Diane's perspective, like how shocked do you think Diane was when she saw next to the mailman? Like how did that happen? I did everything I could to make sure that didn't happen. So was she capable of doing that? I mean, you did leave your daughter in her room full of gadgets and tools. You didn't think that'd be a problem? It's like, you know, she she goes to her little shelf of tiny drawers and pulls out lock picks. Like, oh yeah, you you didn't count on that, Diane? Like, you know she's smart. You say she's smart. I think that's just a testament to underestimate disabled people. Sure, you can say, oh yeah, they're, I think, determined and create, create, uh, courageous and all this stuff, but down, like, you don't, I think it's, you don't feel that way, like, don't think that they'd be capable, uh, and I think that's really, like, a sort of commentary on society in general, um, and, and I'm not saying this is a blanket statement, like, every able-bodied person feels that way, but there is a, a majority of people who will, will look at someone with a disability and, and think that they're just able to do what a normal person can, so I think that, in a, in a way, it's like, her mom just didn't, that she would just underestimated her ingenuity and capability of being able to get out of there. Like the chain on the chair kind of, I think, sort of shows how certain able-bodied people, like you were saying, kind of perceive wheelchair users as the chair, you know, before they see the person in the chair. And I think, yeah, in the choice of putting the chain on the chair instead of on her body, like you said, yeah, it's definitely another uh, visual way of showing that that you know they don't think about it they a lot of people like you said they see the chair but they don't see the person in the chair it's kind of washed away if you only see the disability not the person uh with the disability so it's just crazy to me that like after literally seeing her her son uh sorry her daughter (laughs) managed to escape her room why wouldn't she think about putting it on her fucking leg it's just it's just funny to me I, i don't know so she gets out of her chair and drags herself over to a uh a box of photos and document this is where we find out that diane's that uh chloe's not diane's real daughter real daughter that we saw at the beginning of the uh, movie like you had said earlier Nate two hours after she was born we kind of see like more as uh, she's digging through the box's contents we see uh, a newspaper clipping of somebody's family like the head the title of it saying they local family's newborn baby was stolen and that's when you really get a sense of like oh you are evil evil like at first the whole movie you're thinking okay she's corralled her own daughter and she's keeping her own daughter under lock and chain and feeding her the wrong medication because you know, that's just the kind of evil mother she is. But then it's like, oh, this isn't even her daughter. She went and pulled, you know, like a, a baby snatch. Uh, we see her pick up some more pictures and there's a, a post-it note uh, that says Chloe something. Three years old, five years old. I can't remember what it said. Then she that post-it note off and sees her walking. And that's when you're like, why? Like she starts to question, like, am I really sick? Did I do I did I really always have these problems? I'm thinking of the math now. I think if, if it's set in 2020 and she's 17, she would have been born in 2003 and the photo said 2006 so she would have been three which is about the age people start to remember things 
things. I mean, depending on all, because of the all the sedatives and stuff too that her mother was giving her, that would affect your memory in the long run too. It, not just physical, but mental. Uh, mentally, it would as well. So I'm guessing a lot of it is she just doesn't remember because of all those sedatives that she was taking. Especially, I know they introduced the dog muscle relaxers later on, right? Like she wasn't taking them for that long. But who's to say that she wasn't taking some other weird canine muscle relaxers before? Because, you know, as we see in the basement, she's got like her own little meth lab down there. She's just cooking up God knows what, pouring paint thinner into a gas stove, making some awful venom looking Mm -hmm. thing in a syringe. Like that was a horrifying scene. I was like, squirming watching that like oh we see like later on after when chloe was at the pharmacy um we do see diane looking up household neurotoxin but we don't really see anything past that uh so when we enter that basement i'm I, i'm assuming it's all of that weird shit she was making that w- looked like fucking black tar yeah was household sedative um because she knew she couldn't give uh, her daughter those pills anymore because she already knew that's even really that's even more fucked up like damn i don't know that the layers of like insane that this woman got to her it's the more you look into it it's like how can See, somebody be mental you know even the first time she was locked up in her room and there was a meal like plastic wrapped at first I, like she's eating it now it's like no don't eat the meal there must be some sort of neurotoxin in the meal um, I don't think that ever came back around to haunt her, but I was thinking that like, oh no, that 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 meal's probably been tainted with something. And what a thing! To, what a thing to Google household neurotoxins. You're definitely not going to get a visit from the FBI for looking that up. Part of me is like, I don't know what a neurotoxin means, and I kind of wanted to Google that, and I was like, maybe I shouldn't <laughs> Google household neurotoxins. I don't want to be put on any list. <laughs> Yeah, I'll do it. Uh, neurotoxins are toxins that are destructive to nerve tissue, causing neurotoxicity. Neurotoxins are an extensive class of exogenous chemical neurological insults that can adversely affect function in both developing and mature nervous tissue. Yeah. Yeah, so she was being given all of that kind of neurotoxins and sedatives and stuff for a long time. And I think in the long run, yeah, that definitely going to mess you up pretty badly. And so she just like coming to that revelation, she's fucking even more terrified as would I to, to know that not only was my mother feeding me medicine she's not even my mom and i might not even be sick in the first place i might not even have been wheelchair bound like that would be just a complete mental break of things to realize within like a 24-hour period of time like you just your entire perception of reality shattered everything that i've been going through like you you kind of wonder like is this who i really am you you don't know who your real sense of self is and that's terrifying to, to think about really we finally see after she discovered this diane walks in on her um, and confronts chloe because of what she had found chloe accuses diane of inflicting a fictitious disorder on her uh through her childhood and it is like was i ever sick diane denies that you know tries to minimize her kidnapping and and tries to gaslight her saying that she only wanted to help Chloe she only she did everything for Chloe I'm just like god the gaslighting the manipulation's like over a hundred it's damn she really be trying here but she's not doing a good job because Chloe does not is does not believe anything makes you wonder like does Diane really even believe things that she's saying has she really internalized that what she's doing is good for 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 Chloe that's a good 
good question to pose. Like, what is the level of her delusion? After years of doing this, I'm sure she probably eventually believed she really was doing this for her daughter. But in reality, she was doing this for her because she couldn't quit the fact that her real daughter. We see her going to her little lab, fills a syringe with a newer syringe with a newer toxin. Which I it looks like hard to me, like it was all black. And am I remembering that correctly? Do you remember? Oh yeah, that? you are. Like I was saying, like it reminded me of Venom. You know the the alien symbiote mm-hmm. or molasses. Sticky. That's also it's what I would gross. compare it to. Yeah, and she black tries tar to molasses. Yes. <laughs> yeah, black tar molasses. Chloe at this point is like, yeah, manages to lock herself in a closet, drinks a household poison. It's forcing Diane to end up having to take her to the hospital. Then feel like for a second, there's a sense of relief. Like finally, maybe she'll actually be able to tell somebody what's going on. No, because <laughs> she's uh, got a tube in her mouth. Can't say anything. Uh, she's very weak. She can barely move. God. See, I think that scene where she, you know, she drinks whatever it was in that brown bottle is um, it's very interesting because... Obviously, the theme throughout the movie is that Diane has been using all of these substances to manipulate and control her. And for mm-hmm. the first time, we see her flipping the script and using it to manipulate and control Diane, which is what really makes it such an interesting scene. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. That is a re- that's a really good point. It's like, fuck you. How does this feel? Well, and, and, and that's further expressed later on at the ending that we'll get to soon. She wakes up. She can't move. She's got a tube like stuck in her throat. Um, she tries to get a nurse to help her to give her like a pen or something to kind of write out. Can't uh, even get and a pen. Can't even get a pen because they are under the assumption that she tried to commit suicide. So they got to have her on, uh, you know, 72 hour lockdown. I'm, I'm assuming because uh, that's usually that's, you know, practice for normally. But also she's a child. So they really got that's a unique situation. You you commit suicide because you're trying to save your own life. The fact that she's basically incapacitated uh, to an extent, it further keeps her from being able to get out, you know, to to escape. It's just all the obstacles that keep coming that keep popping up. And you're like, when is Chloe ever going to catch a break? Like, when's she ever going to get away from this woman? <laughs> you start to get really, like, down about it, you know? You really feel like you're in, like, the same boat with her, like, mm-hmm. in some sort of a whirlwind of a maelstrom storm just being tossed around. Like, ah, when is the storm going to end and when are we going to see calm seas? Mm-hmm. She's starting to write this note uh, on a pad of paper with a dull crayon and she's, like, really struggling here. Uh, and then we see... See, something something goes wrong in the hospital, like a code blue with some other patient, and it's never explicitly revealed, but I like to think that Diane went and probably, like, sabotaged somebody else's life support system specifically to cause that situation. I think that had to have been deliberately planned. I don't think that was just a happy coincidence for Diane that somebody else needed every mm-hmm. other uh, medical professional in the building to run towards them. I think she did that on purpose because she was immediately outside the door as soon as the coast was clear, ready to rip all the tubes out of Chloe's uh, body and you know stuff her into a chair, tie her to the chair, and wheel her out of there. Insane. Yeah, I, I agree. Like, I, I, it's not, I can, I cannot see that as purely coincidental. I, I do agree that I think Diane somehow managed to sabotage that. Makes you wonder, like, how many people, how many people did she hurt or kill to uphold her happy little life that she had going there? You know, I mean, she, yeah, she's willing to kill a mailman, she's willing to kill people to keep her daughter sedated and, and you know, to be able to control her life. The lengths that you go to 
to continue to manipulate and abuse someone, it's, wow, you know, it's a lot. It's definitely a lot. So then we're, she's wheeling her out of there. Everyone, everyone's looking like, you know, she's got to cover with the blanket so you don't see that she's tied up and everyone, and she can't talk and everyone just sort of looks like what's happening right there going down the hallway is totally normal. Nobody see, shows any concern or acts like there's any cause for alarm and that, that's frustrating for you, the viewer, like, no, somebody please stop this mad woman. You're putting yourself in her shoes where she can't even like talk and, and you're just like, oh, man, I'm so... I'm so angry because like she can't even yell out, help me. There's all these people that are looking at her and she can't even say anything. And it's such a frustrating uh, thing to, to see. We finally get to an escalator. Turns out it's broken. She can't go down it. Chloe finally is able to have some sort of movement in her legs where she manages to keep her feet on the floor, keeping her, keeping Diane unable to move her. The reasoning is because she saw the banner for the college that she got accepted into that was that was the medical wing the her the medical college she wanted to go to and i think that really kind of ties in that thematic element of chloe and independence she's fighting she's determined to gain her own independence to be able to to take care of herself and i think seeing that banner gave her that realization. I don't want to be controlled. I want to be in control. It's a turning point in her character, I think, in a way that is very quick, but I think it was well done. I think you really kind of see that in her. Yeah, because I think going to college for a lot of young people can be liberation from like an abusive household um, in all kinds of various situations for in all kinds of various means. College is kind of like the cusp of independence and adulthood. I mean, I always, I, I, I remember watching, watching this and just being kind of amused at how, you know, considering, because I've been, I'm done with college and now watching a young person being so excited to go to college, like, <laughs> that's not, that has nothing to do with what we're talking about here. That's just, that amused me, seeing someone like eagerly awaiting acceptance letters, like, oh, I remember when that was me. I mean, for a lot of people, regardless of whether they came from an abusive household or not, it's their first sign of freedom, first sign of being able to be out on their own. Um, and I think just her seeing that just kind of sparked that reminder, like that anger and using that anger to to keep her quote unquote mother from continuing to to harm her. Uh, and isolate her from everyone. At this, by this point, you know the security's already been notified. They're they're trying to find her, and they they finally run up to her. Diane's got her gun out and is. Oh, God, I can't. I wish I knew. Like I can't remember exactly what she said. She said, "We are going home," and then someone shoots her in the shoulder. She falls backwards, tumbles down the stairs, and just. And that is just such a a satisfying scene. Because it's like the first time, it's like, oh, you, you breathe this enormous sigh of relief. Like, oh, thank God that nightmare woman is has been neutralized. And, uh, you know, you see the nurse come over and start comforting Chloe, who looks like she's in shock. And, um, you know, like she's not, she's, she's not, she doesn't show like signs of instant happiness and, you know, gratitude to be free. Like, obviously, that, that all, everything that had just happened was traumatizing and she's still coming to terms with all of it in that moment and the, I, th I think the music was very muted you know like she's mm -hmm. kind of uh, in a state of um, disassociation that's what I'm looking for 
basically, yeah, disassociation. And also the fact that, you know, that that's the... It was her mom, and even in the... She knew her as her mom. And even in the, um, like, the scene that comes after with us seven years later, where she's, like, visiting her yeah, in prison, I guess. Uh, she still calls her mom, yeah. So, and that's the scene I definitely want to kind of hit on, because it's a... It's a really interesting scene. You know, we fast forward seven years later. We find out that Chloe is has managed to gain partial use of her legs uh, as we can see her walking on a cane for a little bit. She regularly visits Diane. Turns out she's bedridden and in prison. Still calls her mom, like you said. And, you know, she's just talking to her, updating her about her life, about how she is has a kid now and is developing prosthetics for children the final ending and it reveals the dog medication that she snuck smuggled in through her uh, she had it in her mouth forces it on diane because she wants her to suffer like chloe did and it's a really twisted sense of poetic justice and it really because it just kind of shows that even though chloe managed to get away from diane she's still dealing with that uh, with the aftermath of it. She's still entwined in that cycle of abuse and is continuing that cycle of abuse on Diane. A thing to think about really in general because it's kind of showcasing that the toxicity and, and the, uh, the, the negative effects that abuse and trauma can have on you and how you can continue that cycle of abuse on other people. I'd say that it's good that she's, um, you know, continuing that cycle back at her abuser and not onto another child. Then, you know, honestly, it's exactly what Diane deserves. Like, this is what you you dished it out. Now it's your turn to take it. Yeah, for sure. And you can see like the the fear in Diane's face. And part of me wants to feel bad for her um, because it really like it, this entire scene is just so is really just social commentary on abuse, the, the, the effects of abuse on anyone, uh, regardless of whether the person deserves to, to get that abuse or not. Uh, it just shows you that those of the effects can be long lasting and can be transferred through generations. It's a sad but very real issue that unfortunately a lot of families deal with. But I, I agree. I think Diane deserved it. Uh, I don't. I, I mean, keep her sick forever. <laughs> I think she needs to stay la- that way. But also, like she's in the hospital. Don't you think they would have found that Done in her some system? Blood work on her. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like they would have because uh, they never said any at any part of the uh, point in the movie. Are we? Uh, did we find out whether? this uh, medication can be detected or not through blood tests and things like that. So I guess maybe... Uh, like, it's one thing if it's in your private residence where the, where you're not constantly having your blood drawn, but it's like if you're under surveillance, it seems like it'd be a little bit of a harder thing to maintain. But maybe it's different medication, and um, Chloe is just smart enough to concoct these pills that won't be detected through blood work. We can just write it off as that. Yeah, and we can also assume that you know, because of how meticulous Diane was with her uh, manipulation tactics, uh, she probably researched what kind of medication, uh, what kind of sedatives can you use that you wouldn't be able to find in a blood blood test. Because Chloe is sickly, and I, I even though we don't see it in the movie, people that are very sick like that have a lot of these issues do have to go to doctors regularly. And so she probably did her homework and was like, hmm, what kind of sedative can I use on my daughter that won't show up? And I guess she that's how she arrived at dog sedative, probably. Probably. 
because uh, it, just like the effects of it wouldn't be the same on a human. That's the end. Uh, what did you think uh, overall? Overall, very good movie. Like just really entertaining, very suspenseful. I've, I haven't seen any, but I hear there is controversy surrounding it. I haven't looked into it. Kind of, what kind of controversy have you seen? No, I mean, like, I haven't seen any. I only have this vague sense that there exists some... Th- Not really a problem, but a, a, a few... Um, I don't think that it was intended to be shown uh, as a slap in the face to people like me. Um, but my heart did drop when I saw that photo of her being able to run at three years old. Um, and it felt a little uh, invalidating in a way because we finally get to see somebody portrayed in a wheelchair, somebody that's by someone that's actually in a wheelchair, in a story that isn't centered around her helplessness. And then we find out that the character probably was actually able-bodied in real life. It, it's sad, but also it's like, you know, I, I don't know how to put into words. Well, how do you what feel I'm... about the fact that, um, you know, by the end of the movie, she still uses a chair? You know, it's not like it ever shows um, that she, after not taking the pills anymore, that she just completely gets over it. And I think that definitely, it, it, it makes sense. Uh, because if you're taking sedatives for years, uh, it would take years for it to go away. And you probably are going to be like that forever. But there's also uh, different kinds of disabilities. Like I said earlier, there's people who are wheelchair bound, but aren't, don't have to be in a wheelchair all the time. Like they're not, like, like for instance, me, I'm not paralyzed. Uh, I just have damaged nerves. But uh, I do know plenty of people who uh, go between walking on crutches to using their manual wheelchairs. Um, and that's, you know, totally fine. So when I saw that part, I kind of felt a little bit better because I have to remind myself that I am not, my disability is not the only kind of disability. Uh, I think in a way, like I was sheltered from that because unfortunately I grew up in a really small town. So I didn't know anybody that was like me. I didn't meet anyone that was like me, you know? And then I met, uh, when I moved out to the Houston area, there was another girl in a wheelchair that I went to high school with. But it still wasn't the same because she had cerebral palsy. So, you know, I guess in that kind of sense, it's like, I just don't, uh, I have to always remind myself that it is, in a way, it's a spectrum. There's just so many different types of disability. We still, we still get that idea that she's, we still get that, 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 the girl, that she's really in a wheelchair. We still, we finally get an actress that's really disabled. And I think that's a win for the disabled community, you know? Well, and, um... Also, on your note about how she used to be able to walk when she was, like, three or whatever, it's like, well, I guess some people who use wheelchairs, you know, they are the same way. It's like some people were able to walk, and for whatever reason, now they use a chair. And honestly, I think uh, a lot of people will will, will use chairs at some point in their life, either mm-hmm. because they might, receive an, they might get injured or just because they age. Of course, um, yeah. And I, I was, like, I was really happy to read that, you know... Um, Kira Allen, Kira Allen really, really does use a chair in real life, you know, because mm-hmm. I think it can be kind of, kind of shitty to uh, make a movie about something without actually casting people who have whatever that something is. I understand right now there's a movie being made by Sia, apparently called Music, which is all about some autistic girl named Music, I guess, and apparently she didn't cast a single autistic person, and she's partnering with Autism Speaks, which is like an autism hate group that's looking for a cure for autism. Um, so it's like, there's the flip side of that. I read uh, the Twitter threads with Sia in it. And basically, her excuse for not hiring an actual autistic person 
was she believed that the filming schedule would be too much for an autistic person to handle, and which is which kind of kind of goes into this whole idea like, oh you think that disabled people don't have the ability to do things like you you really it's uh it's patronizing i'm glad you brought that up because that really shows a difference between like this movie like i said the writer and the director went and talked to kira they talked to somebody that is an expert in in, in disabilities and they really did their research and really really tried to put as much realism into it as possible whereas sia was like I'm gonna I'm gonna work with a hate group, and it's like I'm going to not, not a, cast isn't a, a single person. person. There isn't a single person on the board of Autism Speaks who has autism themselves. Mm-mm. Well, they're all awful. They're all awful. They just the the entire idea is that they think that autism is is a is this is a debilitating issue that needs to go away. Uh, it, Rather than just needs another, to find a cure for it, but it's not a bad thing. It's just another it's, state of existence, you know. It's, it's just a, it's just something that a lot of people deal with. It's not, it might, it, it might not be the best thing, but it's not curse. It's not something to look down on someone for for having like so as someone who does, whose brother is autistic. It's a, it, it's really disheartening to see uh, people act like that. Barely noticeable, but I think there are people you know who think that. All of autism is like, you know, the screaming and um, the stimming and the throwing fits. And that's not like the the Jenny McCarthy's of the world. Yeah. And then there's on the flip side of that, there's this harmful kind of uh, I just lost the word for it. But it's this harmful like connotation that basically saying all autistic people are geniuses uh, because we saw that. Years ago, that one kid that's like savants or something that's autistic, but now everybody that's autistic has to be a genius, and it kind of puts that pressure or, on people who aren't. Yeah, it's academically like people, people expect them to be like a rain man or yeah, or basically. a Forrest Gump or something. Like you have to be like magically really super good at one specific thing, like playing blackjack or ping pong or whatever. Yeah, it's just really uh, it just puts a lot of pressure on uh, other people with autism to feel that they're inadequate because they aren't seen as a, they're not a super genius, like a handful of autistic people may or may not be. And it's just a, it's a, it's a thing with a lot of people with disabilities. Like people love to just kind of box certain minorities in, uh, and, and a certain group and just be like, Oh, we're all the same. And it's not like that at all. Everyone's different you know, regardless of whether you're disabled or not, what, uh, the color of your skin, your race, your ethnicity, your sexuality, uh, everything, like everyone is their own person and they're not all the same. And, uh, nobody's cut from the same code. Basically. Yeah. I mean, we're all different. We all have our own unique way of thinking and, well, I think it's, it's kind of part of the human nature to try to see patterns where there are none. This mm-hmm. is why people think they can see faces in their toast. Why they, this is why people think they see, you know, the face of Jesus in a tortilla or something, or mm-hmm. um, just patterns where there are none. And they do that with mm-hmm. people as well, and assuming that, oh, you know, well, if you are this color, or if you wear this specific kind of hat, or if you pray this number of times a day, then you are also some other thing that is a million miles away from where you started the how did you arrive at that extra how did you extrapolate to that I see that from an analytical standpoint of, of, of humans in general 
feeling the need to be able to label things in order to make sense of them. Uh, yes. I definitely agree. I think to some extent, to some extent, I, I think that's totally okay. Um, but when it comes to things like people, like, I don't think you should be boxing people in. This movie, I really liked it. I really liked it too. I don't have any issue with it. However, uh, I don't. I don't know if I sent you this article, but I had read this article a couple of weeks ago about the amount of people who auditioned to be Chloe, pretending to be disabled, turning out that they're not disabled, <laughs> and that really upset me. It's just that's a slap in the face to me too, because it's like there's already so many roles out there that you can audition for that are like for able-bodied people. Why do you need to go in and, you know, like, because I think they clearly set boundaries that they're like, we're looking for someone that's actually disabled to play this role. And so I was just, when I read the article, I was just like shocked. <laughs> it was, yeah. Watching it, I guess, from, you know, my perspective, the abled perspective, um, mm -hmm. I think it might be possible that someone could look at this movie and think, hey, this is kind of portraying disability as a as an as a horror element. Um, you know, like, hey, how scary would it be if, you know, your mobility was limited? I, and, yeah, um, I definitely can understand where that perspective comes from, too. Uh, I would like to say that I am not a spokesperson for the disabled community. Um, you know, because everybody's got their own, every disabled person's going to have their own thoughts and feelings about this movie, and that's totally fine. Uh, that did, con that I, the idea of, uh, of that did cross my mind, um, because on one hand, I can see that as being like a, a, a horror, like torture porn kind of deal, where it's like, we need to see, we finally, we see this, and it's just her being, this girl in a wheelchair, just being a girl in a wheelchair and that being portrayed to able-bodied audience members as, oh, wouldn't that be scary if that was you? Also, on that note, it's like you can think about the fact that, um, I mean, I think what's really horrifying is that it was inflicted. The horror is Diane being this, you know, controlling puppet master who mm -hmm. won't let Chloe have her life. It's not that Chloe lives with disabilities. She has all the accommodations that she needs. She's mm -hmm. obviously a very competent, capable person who's smart and mm -hmm. not that she needs to be, not that she needs to be, but, um, not that she needs to be a super genius, <laughs> Oh no! but she's not, I mean, she's be just a, a normal person. girl. Yeah. She's... Um, something that I thought about is like, lots of people live their lives as blind people. Lots of people are blind, but if somebody came along and stabbed both of your eyes out and inflicted blindness upon you, that would be, uh, you know, a horrible Thing that would definitely belong in a horror movie. If you were able to walk, or you realized you used to be able to walk, and then now you can't. That's you know that's kind of a horrifying thing as an able-bodied person to watch, and you think, oh mm -hmm. man, what if that was me? What if I? What if somebody did that to me? Technically, on a technical process, this is a technically it's a good movie. Like uh, editing was great, color grading was great, the ambiance, the tone. Uh, I think they they did it very well storyline i mean it is predictable but i think they did a really good job because i don't really care if the the storyline was predictable i think i was more interested in how they portrayed chloe um because i already knew it was gonna what it was gonna be about i already seen the trailer and i read about it i what i didn't predict was that uh she was a stolen baby i totally called I like the, the munchausen <laughs> and maybe if i'd seen a trailer i would have known about that going in 
But that that was a complete shock to my system that she was a stolen baby. Like, whoa. We didn't even, we didn't see that in the, the trailer. I didn't see that in the trailer. Uh, I was actually really surprised by that too. That was, they, they used that in the trailer on purpose to get people to watch it, to be intrigued by it. Obviously, you know, you got to find something that people want to watch. Give it. people enough of a sense of what's going to happen. What is this about? You can't just, you can't just say, here's a movie about a girl who wants to go to college. She's waiting on those college letters and her mom promises that she's going to give them to her whenever they show up. Will they ever show up? We don't know. It's not a feel-good movie uh, about <laughs> a, a girl in a wheelchair being able to get into college. Let me feel better about myself today by watching this movie about a girl. Yeah, but overall, uh, movie's great. Um, what would you rate this movie? I would give this movie a... Um... Four and a half out of five doggy pills. Yeah, I give it a uh, yeah four four out of five try trigoxin pills. <laughs> All right, yeah, I had a lot of fun talking about this uh, this movie. I am planning on doing a write up of this movie as well, kind of delving more into disabilities and in the media uh, on our website. So you guys should definitely go check that out. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Make sure you follow us on our socials, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all that good stuff. At Spaghetti Fic Pod, at Spaghetti Fiction Pod. And we will see you in the new year. So happy holidays. Happy New Year's. Stay safe out there and we'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye. <laughs>